0: Wow, I'm not willing. I sit, I always get the window seat. I cannot be woken up. And what do you
1: do? Up. You make sure you don't drink anything six hours before the flight? Or what do you?
0: I just go or, or when I'm you don't I care. Go. You're
1: going to step You don't care if they're sleeping. No. You'll step not, on people. I do not
0: step on anybody. To get, get out to the Usually people aisle. will jar in their sleep, so uh-huh. I will watch them yeah. until the moment where they kind of like oh. shift or whatever. You'll wait for that? I wait. I wait.
1: Our goal on this podcast is to know Jesus better, and by the power of His Spirit, do better, so together we can be a little better. Well, welcome to A Little Better. We are here on, help me out, week two. Week two. Week two of Subtle Sins of Society. I always have to pause. It feels like a tongue twister. Subtle Sins of Society. So, but uh, great title, appropriate title for, and I did count them, we have seven Subtle seven sins. subtle
0: sins. There's society. seven deadly sins,
1: and then apparently there's also seven subtle sins. So we are a lot weak.
0: of alliteration, but not a tongue twister, I don't think. <laughs>
1: That is true. Well, normally at this point, I say, hey, Drew, give us your sermon in 60. So, Michelle, what do you vaguely remember about this sermon?
0: Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I am not, Drew. Uh, it's great to be on the podcast, though. Thanks for having welcome. me. Yeah,
1: I'm, I'm the worst, right? I'm, you, so I should welcome you. You should be introducing you. should be, your I'm co-host sure, for the there day. There should be lower thirds. Of course, most people are listening to the audio on this, so they have no idea what's going on.
0: That's true.
1: But uh, I am sitting here. I mean, if you haven't figured it out yet, Drew is not in the room with us, uh, but the lovely Michelle Geringer is in the room, fresh in country, um, from uh, her world travels, which we'll hear more about later, yeah. but right now, uh, Michelle is here to discuss with me um, the sermon, uh, Michelle is part of the team that sits in on sermons, there's a few of us campus pastors, you know, people who might need to do closing comments, Um groups pastor, um, you know, different people who might have an interest. And Michelle, you're, you're a voice we've always valued in the room. I just think you bring, you know, unique angles, insights. You know, a lot of us are, you know, we have people in the room who are a variety of stage of life, and that just gives great, you know, um, assortment of voices and feedback. So really appreciate the contributions that you've made. So we both, you know, um, you know, heard this sermon, and uh, let's see what stuck.
0: Yeah, yeah. So, okay, so in 60 seconds, I would say, Drew shared with us about comparison. Mm-hmm. And sometimes we love to compare ourselves to other people rather than focusing our eyes on Jesus or looking toward God. So we did this kind of talking about this horizontal comparison that we do instead of looking vertically up toward Jesus. Mm -hmm. And that horizontal comparison is supernatural. We do that all the time Mm -hmm. and it can be okay, but a lot of times it goes wrong and it can go wrong in multiple different directions. Sometimes we compare ourselves to other people to puff ourselves up and make us feel good and Mm -hmm. say, oh, that person is doing this and this and this wrong and I'm not. So I'm doing okay. Right. And then sometimes we compare ourselves to other people to put ourselves down, to say, oh, well, they have this and they're doing this and they God must love them more because of all these things that they're doing well and I've just, I've failed. Right. And so then we compare ourselves to others to put ourselves down. And the, the sermon was really like, let's we don't need to be comparing ourselves to each other. Mm-hmm. Let's just keep our eyes fixed where they need to be fixed and that's on Jesus.
1: Right. And the scriptural context for that was the story, the parable, mm-hmm. really that Jesus Told. He told the story of the tax collector and the Pharisee. And they're both in the temple. They're both praying to God. You know, and the Pharisee is thanking God that he is not like, you know, this tax collector who's next to him. And the tax collector's Woe is me, being this chest, and asking God to be merciful to me, a sinner. Uh, one interesting thing about pre-preach is sometimes you come up with new ideas, and so what I loved was Scott Bixby, you know, our Rochester campus pastor, just said, "Ooh, ooh, ooh." you know, there's, um, this clip, you know, so we knew we were going to read that passage, but Scott knew there was this clip from the history channel, the Bible that this, you know, which is a long series that was on the history channel years ago. We use it a lot in starting point. It just dramatizes so well, um, the whole Bible, but we use the gospels, um, in starting point, And I think the book of Acts as well, but, um, It's just, you know, that powerful overlay of Jesus telling that story. And we know that Matthew, who wrote the gospel, you know, um, was himself a tax collector. So the way they dramatize it, which was cool, is that there's Matthew listening to Jesus tell this story about the the tax collector. And Matthew is realizing, you know. It's talking about him and it's just getting to him and it's it's it was it was powerful and good. So there. So often I'll ask Drew, "Hey, what do you leave on the table?" So instead, I'll say, "Hey, Michelle, what do you wish that Drew had included?"
0: Yeah, oh, I love this question. <laughs> this is one of the things that we always get to share. Is like, what did you love? What would you change? And yeah. I'm always like, oh, and I would add these seven things. And Drew's always like, I only have thirty minutes, right? <laughs> so one of the things that when I think about comparison. I think one of the wraps of comparison is just looking at the ways we're comparing ourselves to other people and we're saying, you know, God, I've been faithful. I've been mm-hmm. doing the things that you asked me to do. I've been, I've been reading your word and praying and going to community group and just being faithful to this local community. And, and I've been there for my friends and other people aren't, but it seems like you're blessing them more. Mm-hmm. Like where, where's my blessing? Right. And I, I think that's one of the things when it comes to comparison, we compare ourselves to other people. We buffer Ourselves up, but then we're also it goes further. Yeah, we, we're, then we're jealous of the things that God has given to other people, and yeah. we're and that traps our eyes on mm-hmm. each other because we're like, well, God, if you loved me, then you, then you would be good to me, mm-hmm. and and we forget all the forgiveness that we've been given and we get caught in this waiting for blessing and looking for blessing and wishing that we had maybe the job, the, the family, Mm -hmm. the, um, you know, I I mean, there's so many different things, the personality, the friendships, the relationships that somebody else has. And, and then we want those for ourselves and Mm -hmm. we don't see the goodness of the things that God has Mm -hmm. given us. And, and it's, I think that's a really big part of comparison and how it keeps us from focusing on Jesus.
1: Yeah, I, as you were saying that, I was reminded in my scripture reading this week. I came across again the parable of the you know the workers in the field, where you know the the um, landowner goes and hires workers for his field, mm-hmm. and then he realizes he needs more workers. He goes keeps going back. And, you know, and so people start working at 8 in the morning and 10 in the morning, at noon. You know, he's got, you know, there's an hour of daylight left, but the job's still not done. So he goes and gets someone else to work. And then he lines people up to pay them. And he pays the last one first, you know, so the last the The last, um, who only worked an hour, you know, those last workers get paid a denarius, which I guess is a,
0: a, day's, a wage. day's wage, yeah. right? Yeah.
1: Paid a denarius. And, they go, and everyone else starts rubbing their hands because it's just like, well, if he gets a day's Clearly, wage, I worked I'm eight getting times more. that much because yeah. I started yeah. the first thing in the morning and then everyone gets the same wage and people start screaming, that's not fair. But it's always such a dangerous game to play when you want to argue fairness, you know, with God. Because when it comes to fairness, we're, all crushed. None of us uh, measures up. It's all about uh, grace. Um, I just, so um, Drew was comparing good comparison to bad comparison. So it sounded like the bad comparison was some of this horizontal comparison, you know, between each other. A good comparison was a vertical comparison that he mentioned, which was comparing us, you know, to God's standard, you know, comparing ourselves to Jesus, where we realize there there's no way you know that we measure up we're at the bottom of the curve you know when that's concerned but my question is we still live in a life of horizontal relationships so we swim in a sea of comparison right it's just i don't even know how you can run the world without comparison we all got into our schools you know, by comparison, our grades, we're all comparison. The jobs we applied for, we got compared to other people, right? I mean, our promotions, you and I are on staff here, and we did 360s. So we're like writing- That's a
0: the annual review. Annual
1: review process yeah. where, you know, we're- Writing several reviews of each other, just giving feedback to each other. It might be, it might be people, you know, you report anonymously, to. anonymously, yes. you people you report to, people who report to you, people you work just with to
0: help get an idea. But it just of, gives that yeah.
1: whole, you know, complete circle view, you know, of yourself. But it is something. But at some point, you know, we are evaluated you know, even at Northridge, you know, you know, on staff. So how do you live a life? What is, what is the godly way to live when there are comparisons? I mean, is there, what, what does, does Jesus say, just throw all the appraisals out the window or just don't, don't compare at all and just school should just all be, you know, school shouldn't even do grades. I mean, I don't know. Yeah, that's the kind I th- of question I would ask Drew. So I don't know if you feel toughie, like it's. This is a toughie, but un- no, I think you know. It's I think we, it's, it's where you. we train
0: our minds. Where do we uh-huh. train our minds to land and to stay? Mm-hmm. It's okay and it's natural for us to to compare ourselves to other people, mm-hmm. but we shouldn't dwell on our. We shouldn't dwell on those differences, mm-hmm. um, and I think sometimes we just need to to. Think of ourselves mm-hmm. less. So mm-hmm. thinking of other people more is great, and thinking of mm-hmm. God more is great. But when we, when we're comparing, we're often just focusing so much on ourselves. And I really, um, I really appreciate. There's a, there's a, a, a guy named Brother Lawrence who oh, yeah. was a, he was a. Um, monk in like the 17th century I believe in France and he was like not that much to speak of as far as like human like he wasn't that good looking he he was clumsy by his own self-description and he just he, there he didn't have he wasn't a good speaker there were a lot of things that you might think oh that like that would make somebody more uh, desirable Um, and he he just didn't really have a lot of those things but he was really well thought of and looked up to and his position in the monastery was a dishwasher and Mm. people would go to him for advice on how do I come closer to the Lord? And part of the reason why is because he just, he just didn't think of himself that much. Mm -hmm. He wasn't worried about how others perceived him. He wasn't worried Mm -hmm. about a, a lot about like the things that he did or didn't do for God because he just, he just had decided a long time ago I'm a sinner. I'm sinful. Mm -hmm. And when I sin, I shouldn't be surprised because God knows that I'm a sinner. So I'm not going to dwell on the fact that I've sinned. I'm going to repent of those sins and move forward and spending time with God and enjoying his presence and valuing and praising and worshiping him for his loveliness Mm -hmm. instead of thinking so much about the ways that I failed Mm -hmm. or thinking so much about the ways that I have succeeded or all the good things that I've done. He just put all of that focus on how wonderful is God and I want mm-hmm. to spend time in his presence. So he wrote this mm-hmm. book called the practice or in his presence or the practice of the presence of God. Mm-hmm. Um, it's one of my favorites.
1: Oh yeah. That's incredible. Yeah. And, um, yeah, I think I was also thinking about, did you say justified in there? But I remember Drew in his sermon talked about, you know, justified and the text says it too, because the conclusion of the matter is that that text collector left the te- left Justified, you know, and that being, you know, so I think um, there is a healthy use of comparisons even horizontally. Because I even think about um, we have like qualifications for elders, like in the Bible. And Paul often talks about, you know, he has criteria, you know, for who should lead the church. So there, there's some like healthy like comparisons, but it can't be a basis for justification. And justification meaning, basically approval with God, approved by God, to be a you know, to be accepted by God, to be embraced by God, to be welcome in his presence, right? right? in the presence of God. So it can't so there's these healthy I'm trying to think this through, you know, myself, but the healthy uses of horizontal comparison. But there's always that temptation to use it as a basis of justification, of worth, of value, you know, and that's not, you know, you know, you know what it's for. It does There's a good way, I think, to organize the kingdom, you know, know, putting people into the right roles and there are comparisons, you know, to be made. And I guess Paul compares himself and says, I'm the chief of sinners, I'm the worst of us all. Uh, So, but when it comes to, you know, justification and, you know, in the presence of God, um, it's not a basis for that. So, anyway, um, I'm kind of curious, so... uh, when we talk about comparison, for me, just the American twenty-first century culture that we live in, my mind immediately goes to. And Drew made a mention of it: social media. Uh, so we, I think, we live in an environment where comparison is being amped up. You know, it's just you know we are comparing ourselves to. I think Drew said other people's fake lives, right? So mm-hmm. it's, and I think it's obvious that. A lot of those things can create a whole lot more anxiety, a whole lot more depression. I, so I think about it as an American problem, especially American problem. Now we're, we are comparing ourselves to each other in an unhealthy way. But as our subject matter expert on world culture, so I'm not sure if I even mentioned or reminded people what your role is here, uh, why don't you give us your job title,
0: Yeah, so I'm the Outreach Development Director, and so really my job is everything that when we say the word beyond, we mean anything that happens beyond our church walls. So that's partnerships here locally, our partnership that we have with a local school, Rise School 106, and then our international partnerships with nonprofits that work through local churches. And so we have uh, three different partnerships in the country of Malawi, and those three partners work together in something called the Global Lift Collective. Um, and so we, so I actually just got back less than a week ago from going and visiting those, those partners in Malawi and just seeing some of the mm-hmm. amazing work that they're doing. And, you know, I definitely see that comparison is, it's not just an American problem. It's absolutely everywhere. And I was in, you know, it was back in the day when Jesus was living and it's still, it's still a problem now, mm-hmm. um,
1: but People it takes in, different forms. Perhaps. It does.
0: It does take different forms. I think in you know in Malawi we we work through a large networks of churches, and so they'll be in one area or region, kind of like a county. You'll see twenty or thirty churches that are a part of a church network. And when they when they begin forming that church network, um, we met with a group of pastors, and they were describing what their relationships were like before, and they were kind of like. I mean, like we knew those guys, but we didn't really have any good relationships with them. And we would often look sideways and say, Oh, you know, I think they have more people in their congregation, or maybe they give a little bit more money and they're tithing more. And so their, mm-hmm. their church has a better building than we do, or their church has. And they were, they were doing these really unhealthy comparisons and looking at the blessings that God had given one or the other and feeling some jealousy there. Mm-hmm. And through the building of <clears throat> a church network, they started to get to know one another and they start they started dreaming about how they could improve their own community. And so that's some of the work that the Global Lift Collective is doing is coming alongside nonprofits like World Relief, Tier Fund, Hope International, and helping them to do this community development. Things like building a bridge, helping a local community advocate with their government to build a real solid bridge where there used to just be like a log that would get rough, like run away every time there was a flood. Mm-hmm. Um, and so they they helped those, those groups of pastors to come together. And then one of the things that they were asking for was just some biblical training These guys are pastors of churches and like from young, from young to like coming to the end of their time being pastors and they've been to school and they can read and they have the Bible in their language, um, but they have never gone to Bible college. They Mm -hmm. have never had any formal Bible training. Um, and so things, simple things that we just super take for granted, like Mm -hmm. knowing what, uh, knowing what. The Bible, when, when a book of the Bible is written, knowing who wrote it, where it was written to, um, mm-hmm. and what the context of that was and how that should inform the way that you read it, they mm-hmm. just had no frame of reference for mm-hmm. those things. I'd never been taught that. Right. And so seeing the ways that as they learn more about the Bible together, those comparisons that they were doing one to another started to drop away a little bit. They were in it together.
1: Now I've heard of cultures where they don't even have a complete Bible, but I, you know, and they just have. I've, I've heard these stories like where translation is a challenge, and maybe they only ever had the Gospel of Mark or a sure. piece of that. That's not the case here. These these Malawi churches, I mean, they they have the complete translation of the Bible. Correct. You know, they they can read from Genesis to Revelation, but they haven't had a lot of the context and background and basic.
0: Right. And they didn't have the proximity. So mm -hmm. even in the story from Drew's sermon, the Pharisee and the tax collector have zero relationship with one another. They have Mm -hmm. no proximity. The tax tax collector is sitting there and the Pharisee is so removed from him in relationship that he's willing to put him down in Mm -hmm. front of him. Mm -hmm. Now, if they were friends... Probably wouldn't have said that, right? He probably wouldn't <laughs> have said that about him because he wouldn't have made a wouldn't have wanted to make mm-hmm. him feel bad. Right. And so I think that for these pastors, being in proximity with one another helped to mm-hmm. remove some of those boundaries. And then they were they were just pastors working in it together for God's kingdom, wanting to grow their churches, help their communities grow and thrive, and being willing to do that beside one another, not just alone.
1: Yeah. Now I think of I'm I think it's so amazing what we as Northridge get to do. I, I've just loved your and Josh's heart, you know, to just imagine how can we cooperate, how can we collaborate here locally, overseas, you know, uh, you know work together. I think I'm hoping we get to both hear and see a lot more. I know that you had um, people with cameras you know, there, and that there's um, a lot of footage that you haven't seen yet, right? But
0: That's right. They're working. They're working. It takes some time so to that, rework that, that, the footage. That'll take time. Yeah. But, but, but there's get to There's some good, there's some good see. footage coming so you can <laughs> see and feel and experience yeah. a little bit of what that is like.
1: Right, and you'll get to talk about that more later. I just want to, maybe it'll happen on the podcast, maybe it'll happen on the stage, maybe it'll happen through the web, but... Uh, I'm excited about what the church will eventually get to see. With regard to this topic of comparison, I think um, I'm thinking, I don't know if correct me just this. I'm thinking of three layers. So you talked about basically there's the pastors and the churches uh, the nationals who are on site in Malawi, and then there's that challenge of there's a comparison that can kind of kill their effectiveness for the kingdom, because but but now you're getting relationships formed, and now mm-hmm. people are are working not in competition, not in any way denigrating each other, but helping each other, and where the sum is. Greater than the parts, so that's happening. So there's that layer of the pastors and the churches collaborating. Then there's the layer of these um, organizations, these partners of ours. We've mentioned World Relief, Tear Fund, um, Hope. Um, I'm not sure who else, but but these different organizations. That there's the layer of their cooperation, right? That they're not duplicating each other's efforts, but they're working in, together as a team. You know, in Malawi, and then all the way back here to the States, there's churches. You know, we're in partnership with Life Church and Willow Creek, and we've commented on how weird it is to have Northridge that is Northridge in the same Life sentence. Church and
0: Willow Creek. Yes, yeah, it is. It's uh, it's a blast. It's so fun when yeah. God makes things happen, and you're just along for the ride. Yeah. Um, and so we're, yeah, we're the we're the three core lead U.S. churches in but the I, global level. But
1: I think there's something new at all three of those levels. You know, and there can be the comparison and the competition that hurts. We could. Compare ourselves in good or bad ways with Life Church, which has this amazing nationwide impact, or Willow Creek with such a history of ministries and new ways to do ministry and, and the rest. Or we could say, you know, look at us, we get to work with you know, there's all kinds of ways we can get derailed. But I I'm just there's this vision where it's no we, we all serve the same God. None of us got the, we were all given, you know, what we have. And then how can we use it together for the kingdom? So I love these unlikely partnerships between churches in Malawi, between organizations, you know, that are cooperating there. And then just between who would have thought, you know, we'd be working together, you know, with these other churches, you know, you know in this way. But that's the kind of thing that, you know, could be prevented when people compete and compare, so, well, listen, like I said, <laughs> um, I'm sure you could talk a Consider whole lot this more about a this. A teaser. More will absolutely. Be coming. Yeah. I mean, the pictures are going to be amazing. Yeah. Um, and just look forward to hearing the stories. And I know that there are people coming to Northridge Church because they love what is happening through Beyond, because they want to be a church, part of a church, that is being the kind of church that is having this impact locally and worldwide. So thank you for your part in that. Look forward to hearing more, and we look forward to having you back next week for week three of The Subtle Sins of Society.